<laughs> okay, you can go. I know that's because uh, I wake up sometimes in the middle of the night and I'm like thinking about the podcast and it's right there. I'm like, stop. Okay, everybody. Welcome to the world of KS Entrepreneur Podcast, the podcast for the entrepreneur that doesn't have an MBA and is just figuring it out as they go. Yeah, I'm going to have to redo that one. Okay. I love that for us. I was laughing in the middle of the other one. That's why. Oh, I thought we would just leave that in there. Okay, we could. Anywho, today we are actually talking about three books that we've both read in the past year that have really kind of changed our lives and really helped us out a ton, work through things and our mental frameworks. They've just kind of really been pretty pivotal. So the first one that we're going to talk about is actually a book called The Gap and the Gain, and it is written by... Dan Sullivan and kind of his ghost writer a little bit. I mean, it's kind of like, so this is actually what's just super interesting about the gap in the game too, is that Dan Sullivan is the person that's done all of the research behind it. He um, is the person that found the strategic coach. And the thing about Dan is that he knew that he didn't want to write a book because that's just not in his zone of genius. And so he ended up hiring somebody, Dr. Benjamin Hardy, And that is actually the writer of the book. And I kind of love that because so often I feel like either like a book has a ghost writer and you actually don't know that it's not ever written from that person. But it was very much so this like co-collaboratively written book. And that was kind of just interesting in its beginning. But pretty much the whole idea of the gap and the gain, and this one's personally been extremely profound in my life, is that we're constantly living in this gap mindset of like, oh, I'm just gonna, you know, get to a thousand subscribers or I'm just going to make six figures in my business and then I'm going to be happy. And then you get to that milestone and then you're like, oh, well, it's just going to be the next thing. If I just get to 10,000 subscribers or whatever, then I'm going to be happy. And you just constantly are chasing and chasing and chasing this thing. But you're always coming from it of the gap mindset. Well, like, oh, well, they have that. So that might be what's making me happy or whatever. It's like an endless cycle of Keeping up with the Joneses. It's an endless cycle keeping up with the Joneses. And it's also like kind of perpetually putting you in this like rat race mindset and everything instead of actually coming from this gain mindset, which is that you are already happy and you create your happiness. It doesn't mean that you can't go for your goals, but it means to go from it, not a place of like, if I do this, this is what's going to make me happy because you are in a weird, very Zen way of saying like, you are your happiest happiness now and you are creating your happiness and you should come from a aspect of like, look what you've done, you know, right. you have done so much. And when you come at it from that mindset, it's just so much more powerful. And I just really like read that and it resonated with me on just this like deepest core because I have been living in the gap mindset forever. Like, honestly, actually, I was talking to you. Uh-huh. And I was like, we just need to get to this like $4 million revenue goal. And he was like, why? And, you know, you kind of challenged me on it. And then you're like, I think you need to read this book. Right. Because you you have to think about it's like what the gap or what the gain mindset does is that when you're looking, when you're stuck in the gap and you're like, I have to get to this $4 million revenue goal. Sometimes that goal, that $4 million revenue goal is the goal that you're headed towards. But when you look at it from the gain mindset, like where if you don't actually reach that goal, but that was something you were pointing your North Star to, the thing that you did is you put that within a time frame that maybe didn't work out, but you will eventually get to that goal, but it's not maybe the timeline you set out. But if you look at it from the gain, is that like we were shooting for this $4 million goal, 
but look where how far we got to. We're actually way ahead of where we were last year or the year before. Like, and you can approach it that way. It actually makes you feel like, oh wow, like we actually did. We actually did just through setting this goal blow past all these like little goals we had made two years ago. Right, and I think like, and it was interesting reading the book because it's like, I think the biggest thing when you listen to this is to, it's not to say that goals don't matter, but it's where your motivation for these goals comes from. So if your motivation is that I'm only going to be happy when I meet this goal and keeping up with the Joneses, you're never going to be happy. Whereas we're still going for this goal, but I've now reframed. I'm like, look how much this team and this company has done in the past year. I know we can do this if we all work together and come at it in a different mindset of, wow, I I'm so strong. I'm so full of potential. And anything that I dedicate to, I will figure out. I don't believe that me reaching this goal is going to make me happier. Right. I do believe that it is figure outable. And I think that is this whole different mind like construct or whatever. And I'm choosing to not like, I do believe we will get to this goal, but I'm also going to choose to not have it kill me in the process. Right. It's not that thing that should be motivating you forward. Essentially, what should be motivating you forward in a weird way, and this is this is why it feels kind of backwards to look at it this way, is like, is acknowledging the successes that you have made in reaching this goal, in, in the process of reaching this goal. Because when you focus more on those successes, it helps you make better decisions for the future. Instead of just saying like, I need to get to this $4 million, million goal, the sales revenue goal. Instead, go in the, in the, basically in the effort of trying to get to this $4 million sales revenue goal. These are the things that we did that worked that really helped propel us forward. Like, look at what we, what things we gained in that process of doing it. Look at the, look at the lessons we learned. So how do we apply that mindset? Like, what were we doing and how were we thinking when we, basically when we achieved those milestones within this goal? And I think it's a little bit also of like, I think what helped me so much in this book was acknowledging the fact that I am. I'm intrinsically motivated. Like I do genuinely love understanding business, figuring out tactics and strategies that work for us and everything like that. But I can acknowledge that I'm not going to be happier when I get to this milestone. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been huge. It was just like, he calls it out in the beginning of the book and I've never realized this, but it was pretty much when Thomas Jefferson, you know, with the founding fathers of America and everything like that, he wrote like the pursuit of happiness. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he fucking set us up. Like, he's, yeah. he, well, all of America's been set up. Like, we're in pursuit of happiness. Like, no, what if you just come from a mindset of like, this is happiness, you know? Like, because pursuit of happiness is the exact same thing to me as like people that are constantly being like perfection. If it's, you know, I have to make this perfect. And those are both like false stories that just you can't achieve unless you just kind of re-switch it and be like, this is happiness and this is perfection because I'm calling it progress and I'm calling it done. But happiness is also an emotion that like, if we were happy, happy all the time, like if happiness was the true goal, like what would you be able to measure happiness off of? It's so true. Like, yeah, 100%. And I think that without the great pains, like it's the high highs and the low lows, without the pains that you experience by growing a business, you won't have the happiness. But I think you need to go back and look at all of the happiness that you've gotten through your business and like what has made you happy along the way and come from that mindset and not coming from this idea of uh, if I get to this goal, I'm going to be happy because that's not going to happen. Right. And it's like that whole, the whole saying like no pain, no gain, right? It's like, if you look back at your pain, right? And you go, what did I gain in the process of all that pain that I went through? 
what did I gain? What were the lessons learned that then moved me to this point, which is a much more elevated because I'm not in that painful place anymore. I'm in a much more elevated place. What did I do? What was my mind doing? And how do I get into that? Yeah, I think the no pain, no gain is like an interesting, I just like the way it says, but I very much so from coaching, I've always loved the idea of like, um, this isn't happening. What if this isn't happening to you? It's happening for you. Right. And if you can really like look at an event or something and like, what, uh, how did this serve me? How did this help me? Like kind of like this event was for me. It totally switches your relationship to it. And that's like such a powerful place to come from. And it doesn't take you from this like, this happened to me and I'm this victim here. And it takes you to this place of like, I learned from this and I grew so, so much through this. And like, I have so much more power because of that. Right. Yeah. Gap in the gain. Gap in the gain. It's huge. And it actually is tied to one of his other books. Again, Dan Sullivan and Dr. Ben Hardy, they both, like all the books that we're referencing that are in his, his line of books are written by both of them, or they're actually written by Dr. Ben Hardy. But the one that I found super super awesome in conjunction with this gap in the gain book was the 10x is easier than 2x which is essentially this idea of like when you are looking to the future for those future goals like imagine a much bigger future i think a lot of us say like oh we want to double our revenue Mm -hmm. it's like when you double your revenue and you go 2x like what that actually means to all of us is that it just means twice the work right but if you're to imagine like i want to 10x my revenue or i want to 10x something I'm doing in my life, what that does is it helps you really get clear on what you need to do if you were to imagine that your future is 10x the size that it is right now. And I think the thing that basically that's really helped me with that is like it kind of cuts away all the all this like the busy work that you think you have to do. Because if, if the goal really is in the next year to 10x what you want to do, right? You're going to stop playing a small game. You're going to stop just doubling the amount of work you're doing. You're going to almost in a way have the courage to take the next step to be like, well, if we're doing this, like, if we're going to be 10x in the next year, or we're going to be 10x in our very short future, then I need to be hiring the right people to, to help me do this thing. And it helps you make decisions that will benefit you because, like, you may not be 10x in a year. And actually, in fact, you probably won't be. But what it does is it, it gives you that push off the edge to, like, to do it. Yeah. I think it is important to what they call it, the BHAG, the big, hairy, audacious goals or whatever. Yeah, yeah. from uh, traction. Yeah, from traction. But I think it is, is like people just never go for their moonshots. Right. And I, which is going to be a segue to the next book that we talk about. But I think like when you don't go for your moonshot, the thing is, is that the people that go through their moonshot, even if they fail, they get 70% further than anybody else that never even tried to go for a moonshot. Right. Because if you always like play it safe a little bit, like the two X's like very much like a play it safe. Like it's like, like, you know, um, you're like, I, th- I can kind of already figure it out a little bit. Right. You know? Oh, I know how, what it means to double my revenue. And what that means is that I just need to double the amount of work, maybe hire one extra person. But really, when you're thinking like 10x, you're like, well, I actually need all these other things. And to actually do that, I need to innovate within my company to basically take this shit to the next level. Yeah. Fuck that shit up. Like turn it on its head. And, yeah. Turn it on its head. Yeah, right. And do it differently. And I think that's like when you can truly imagine the unimaginable that's when it gets to the biggest unlocks because you're stretching your brain to start thinking about things in such a different way than you were before and i think in the book they talk about how a lot of these people who like went on the 10x journey what they discovered they had to do was they had to cut away 80 percent of the like they had to find things that like the 20 percent of the things that they were doing that was like that had the biggest impact on their company so it was like almost a like a flip like it had like 80 percent efficiency within their company or impact in their company and they cut away the other 80%. So like the things that weren't making them the money or the things that they 
didn't truly, they weren't truly good at, they cut that out and that takes a lot of courage to do. But when you're thinking 10X, you're like, well, these are the 20% of the things that like when I'm focusing on the 20% of the customers that like bring in the most revenue or that basically help that have the biggest impact on my business, it basically, it jumped these people to, to the next level and it was scary. And for some of these people, this is the thing, the stories that I heard, it was like one person did it and it took three years for them to see a result. And I was like, three years, my God, that's- That's commitment. That's commitment. But at the same time, if you're committed to something, that three years will fly by. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just, I don't know. I'm sure that person had some dark moments. I was about to say, like, trusting the process, but I can only imagine that person had some dark moments along the way. Oh, for sure. But it's interesting, though, because before they had that three-year period of kind of that dark moment, yeah, they had already 10X'd two or three times before they got to that three-year dark period. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, interesting, that they had to, like, trust themselves enough to know that, like, it worked in the past, like, stick with the process and, like... I don't know. I to me, I'm, I I think three years, and I I kind of gasp a little bit. But then I think about where I was three years ago and where I am now. Oh yeah, I think that's the thing. Like even starting this podcast or anything, but it's like if I had to start a new business all over again, I could do it instantly. Almost like I feel like like I've learned so much. Like you know, right. like you know, making big pivotal changes isn't the lift that it once was. You know, right. And I think also looking at the basically looking at that those timelines like the, those three-year timelines it it shouldn't phase us as much anymore because i mean i remember talking to a lot of people when they were first starting their businesses and they were seeing the success we had had after three years and i was like well this wasn't great for like the first two years it's not like it was an instant success i said there was these moments where we we're like yeah look at us doing it and like and we got a write-up and then i'd have friends who just started an etsy shop or something and they were like yeah, I put it up on there and it's been a month and like, I haven't really, I've only sold like two things. And I'm like, yeah, keep up with it. And it was like two months later, then they would just be like, I quit because I didn't sell anything for the first three months. And I was like, well, yeah, of course. Like I didn't. Oh no. I mean, I think part of, I mean, the part of just business is I'm like, who can stick it out the longest? I, just, I, I actually just like that as a statement. Can you stick it out? Can you stick it out? This is how, this is how the game weeds itself, like weeds out the people. Right. I keep figuring it out. I think that's the thing too, is like, as, as I basically scale back the business right now that are in our company, Wham Industries, I, I'm constantly thinking to myself like, okay, so the actions that I take now, like these maybe not, won't have immediate, immediate benefits, but I know that the actions I'm taking now are going to basically, as I grow this and I keep do, doing the reps, it's going to make positive change. And like with this 10X mindset, like how do I right now make these, make these changes? Yeah, no, I think. And really what that is, mm. is figuring out like, they, again, this is the who, not how. This is another Dan Sullivan book. These are not all the three that we're recommending. No, we're going no, for no. There. We're just yeah. kind of at a Dan Sullivan and Ben we're Hardy. We're in a Dan Sullivan moment in our lives right now. Because before we started this podcast, Larissa and I talked about the three books that impact us each. And the three of the books that we were at out of the six books we were talking about had basically been from this, this series Dan Sullivan and Ben Hardy did. But the who, not how was a big one because it was like figuring out, like when you're thinking TEDx, figuring out who the best person is to basically take, like to do the job, I think was important. I think it's also very much so. There's this interesting thing when you're growing a business is at the beginning, you're kind of investing in potential maybe when you can't have quite those like strategy hires, but the quickest you can get to strategy hires is going to be your biggest unlock because you are not like you, the owner of your business are actually not the smartest person in the room and you want to hire much. The smartest thing you can do as a business owner is hire people much smarter than you to do certain things, especially things that you suck at. Right. Because the sooner you can do that, you will feel free. They'll be working in their zone of genius and then magic happens. Right. So, like 
do Ooh, that. Yeah. Like, how much do you know about SEO? I not like not like I know the term SEO and 100%. like 100% can like plug keywords, but like truly like behind the scenes, like doing all of the magic. No, zero stars. Does it also light me up? No. No, for so sure. So I'm not going to do it. So, but do I recognize that it has a level of importance and that if you put a killer in that seat that you're probably going to find like some magic one ten thousand so i think what totally i 100 percent at the end of the day it is who not how like you could if you wanted to be this person you could write the best standard operating procedures sure but you can't like the standard operating procedure isn't going to get you the results it's the person that's fucking doing it that's going to get you the results. Right. Because they are they have been doing it and they know what they're doing. Yeah. I understand like things need to be documented and everything like that. But for the longest time, I didn't write. Like I didn't have anything documented. Because right. for me, it's like, who are you and how are you doing it? And then how are you like innovating it? Because yeah, I'm very, I'm not the person to like, I would very much so who not how. I, w- I have hired the people that document the things to do it because literally like me even talking about it is like, I'm partially, I'm like regurgitating in my mouth right now. Cause I am just like, oh my God, if you want to kill me, it's like, be like, hey, Larissa, document something. Be like, why, why, why do you hate me so much? Right. I think that's something that's really hard for entrepreneurs to do, or even just anybody who starts a business is that we want to do all the things all at once. Like we want to be the person who's the expert at everything and we get down on ourselves if we're not. But realistically, if you could be the expert at finding the right person, and even you might not even be the expert at finding the right person, you actually might need to hire somebody who's an expert at finding the right people for you. And I think that's the unlock is like getting to this mindset that literally every person, like every, there is, if there's a task that you feel so-so at, there might be somebody that you can hire or work with for not that much money to get to that next level. No, I think the second, like, it's so interesting to me, the seeing the friction between people hiring and not hiring. And it's like, the second you realize that your biggest unlock is going to be freeing up your capacity. Yeah. Like, man, that is huge. Right. So, yeah. So the second book, so we're pretty much recommending the Dan Sullivan trilogy. (laughs) Even though it's going to be like 30 books, apparently. Yeah. So we're, no, so the Dan Sullivan trilogy that we recommend is The Gap and the Gain, 10x is easier than 2x, and then who not how. The next book that we have found huge for us this year was, I think, like a rocket scientist by Ozan Var- Veril. Thank you. He's actually a Turkish. Um, he's from Turkey. He, he talks about his like life story in this uh, book a little bit, and it's just a super fascinating how he got to America and ended up being like a fucking rocket scientist at JPL, and now is a motivational speaker. But it's the Interesting parallels between being a rocket scientist and an entrepreneur is this book. And it just rocked our world. Like it was kind of when we were starting the podcast too. And it just really helped you think about certain things of like a first principles thinking, which is just pretty much like tearing shit down to it's like basic foundation. Yeah, like the core. The core and then rebuilding it from there was huge. And then the moonshot thinking. I think like the moonshot thinking, which is parallels to what we were talking about before is that 2x and 10x thinking, but like always go for your moonshot. Right. Because you want to get there. Like we did talk about the gap in the game, but go for your moonshot because you want to get there. And even if you fail along the way, hey, you're going to learn so much, but your fail is so much further than anybody was ever willing to try. And right. I think that's like the huge part of the potential. Like when we went to the moon, when we said, we're going to the moon, 
like we didn't know how to get to the moon. Like we just right. literally said we're going to the moon. We didn't know like how to get to the moon. No, we were just like the moon is we see the moon. Yeah. We know it's this far away from the we earth know we somehow. We planes, but we don't know how a plane is going to get us to the moon. Right. But, but we can send a rocket there. Right. And we figured it out. Like, you know, like um, America was like, well, we're going to figure it out. And like, look at him. In like five years, they figured it out. And it's only because like the second that you state your moonshot, uh-huh. beauty of it is you start figuring out your moonshot then and how to get there. You know, it's really funny. I always laugh because there's a bunch of people who think that we never actually made it to the moon. We made it up altogether. Right. There's like a conspiracy theory about it, which is hilarious to me because I, I, then I think about, I think about this too is like, even if we didn't get to the moon and we faked getting there, we still convinced the rest of the world we got there. You still figured out how to fake the rest of the world yeah, you the still time without social it. media. So like, yeah. You still figure out how to fake it, right? Even if you did. So that, that always makes me laugh. But we did get to the moon. Yes. To be clear, we got to the moon. Yes. But I thought it was funny to like reframe that even. Yeah. But that book was just like, it was fun. It was such a fun listen. It was such a like a, what I think is so important as an entrepreneur is to listen. Yeah, sure. Listen to the books that are pretty much like, you know, how to grow your business or whatever. But I think the most profound books are the books that are just kind of like paralleled on the side of like business, you know, because then you're making those dot to dot connections for yourself. Right. I think that's like the biggest thing. I don't know. What did you get out of that book the most? I mean, I think I think it does tie back to even the Dan Sullivan books is that with that moonshot thinking, you you basically it's like the te- like thinking 10x thinking yeah. like something much bigger than you could even imagine achieving and then the first principles thinking which is breaking something down to its most simplest form is again that like when you're thinking 10x it really gets clear what you need to need to figure out within your company or within like what you're doing and that's again breaking things down to like the most simplest thing, like simplest process and i think that's what i like about it is i'm seeing so so much so many things within business and success and even in life is ju- is just dictated by these mindsets we have. Uh-huh. And I think like a rocket scientist, he's like, literally change your mindset, really change your perspective and think if you think this way, you will succeed with whatever you want to do in life. And I think that's not thought of, that's not really not talked about enough is like how important perspective is within business. And I think that's really what reading these books and learning about this stuff is, is, has done for me at least. No, I agree. I agree. The only other thing that I was just thinking about that I got out of this book a lot, which is like in NASA, they do redundancies a lot. Oh yeah, redundancies. And I think redundancies are are the unsung hero sometimes. Like we were just like about to go out to an event and we were, or we're going out to an event and somebody's tech isn't quite working. And so we have kind of option A, but we also have an option B, mm-hmm. you know? And I think having redundancies will just save your ass. So if you just like, it's not like your plan A, but if right. you- Planet A is gonna go to shit at some point in time. It just is. There is a Murphy's Law for a reason, but if you can plan out redundancies, it will save your ass more times than not. And it doesn't need to be this elaborate plan or anything like that. It is just like, well, if this goes down, right? we're gonna, this is our redundancy aspect of it. And it's not, the idea of redundancy isn't to be like, you know, because I'm sure everyone's heard of the thing is like, there's no plan B, we're just going to go with plan A, right? Like there's, you're just going to go full steam ahead on the one plan. But I think there's areas where with redundancies, it's important just to be smart. Like you were saying with this tech for the, like for the stuff that you're, for the events you're doing. But I think 
I'm trying to think of a situation where having a redundancy or a plan B would be bad. No, the only thing that I thought was bad was when you said like when people are like at plan A and full steam ahead, like that seems stupid to me. Right. That's where you're truly going to like if you can't be agile and pivot in your business, if you just are like, well, we said this was the plan and we're going to only do it this way, like that's where you will fail. Right. I think uh, I think when I think of plan A and plan B as not working out in terms of people making a plan A and plan B is that when they're when their plan B is like an easy cop out. They're like, oh we'll just do plan B. And it's like it becomes a oh, cop out type of situation. Yeah, that's fair. That's I, I can see that. But if plan A and plan B are directed at the same goal of success, yeah. Then I think it's solid. Yeah. No, very much so. I would agree with that statement. Yeah. And the third book, which is the one that I'm about to do my annual re-listen to, is um, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Yeah. That book is just like, it needs, I'm not joking, it's an annual listen. You listen to that book and it just really kind of recenters you into really realizing how habits can really create such compounding and great effects in your life in the best way possible. Right, and how to do it in small increments. I mean, I think everyone has these goals of like, I'm going to change, I'm going to change everything in my life 100%. I'm going to go like all one way now. Like I'm going to work out seven days a week for two hours a day, you know, when they haven't even lifted, like done anything in in a year, you know? And I think it's like when he's saying like, well, you could like one of the cool examples I heard was somebody was, had built in a workout routine for themselves in the five five minutes that it took their coffee maker to make their coffee. I was like, that, like that is so important because that wasn't there before. Well, and I think to kind of love the story that's in the book that I really love about that is that somebody was trying to start a workout routine and that for the first week or the first two weeks, all they did was drive to the gym yeah, and then leave. But what was they were doing was actually breaking down the biggest part of the friction, which is actually just getting there. Yeah. And then they were starting and then they were able to kind of build it. I think it is this thing of like, we go like we're like it has to be dialed up to 11 or like you can't just make progress and incremental gains and everything like that like it does not like you're telling yourself a story and also makes like zero sense to be like okay like all of a sudden like you know i was here like i think working out is a great example so we'll just continue to use that like if you have not been working out and all of a sudden you're like i'm gonna do the 75 hard and i'm gonna work out twice a day for 75 days and do all of these things like you haven't built up those habits or or any routines in your life whatsoever. So it's probably not going to go super great. But if you just then said like every morning, I'm going to start out by doing these three stretches. Right. Actually, I like the example he gave, which was like, I think it was something like workout for 30 seconds. Right. And I mean, even the daily is kind of like, you know, if you at least make it daily within like such a reasonable thing, like that's something you can do literally in like a minute or two. And it is so funny that we were talking about this because literally my trainer has assigned to me to do stretching daily. Guess who's sucking at it right now? You. Me. You know, <laughs> she's like, you need to eat protein with every meal and doing this. And I'm like, dude, this Meredith is too much. Like, you know, I just can't do it. And now I'm like, this is interesting. I, this is a story I'm telling myself. And like, literally, like, I'm making it in my head, this giant thing of like, oh my God, I have to have this like daily stretch routine of 15 minutes or whatever. There's nowhere that it says that, you know, I just need to pick, these are the three stretches that I'm going to do. 
and just do them. And then it's like the other part of the book by James Clear, I think is really helpful is like when you start doing it is like being like, well, what would a healthy person do is like one of the phrases that they say. And I think that's like kind of the thing. Like if I'm a person that's like committed to my personal fitness journey this year and everything like that, like what would a healthy person do? They'd probably stretch three times a day. Yeah. Two, three stretches during the day, you know, and stuff like that. And I think it's just like those big, like kind of pivotal moments or something like that. To use that in your business, you could very much so be like, you know, what is what I know to be true is I have to do this giant project that is going to be a big unlock in my business, you know, and for me, that is very much so kind of figuring out this like manufacturing aspect of our business and everything like that. So what I don't need to do, and everybody knows this, if you've listened to this podcast, I've got major gripes with the emails, but what I don't need to do is look at my emails in the morning. What I do need to do is check in on my manufacturers and make sure things are progressing along in those big projects, mm-hmm. you know, and designing new stuff. But that's a habit I've had to develop is no email in the morning, not first thing. You know, it's kind of coming at like the last and stuff like that. And that's like what this entrepreneur, what would a good entrepreneur do? They fuck those emails and I'm only working on big projects from now on. <laughs> for sure. For sure. It's not quite that simple, but no, yeah. no, no. I just wanted to say that. There are technically emails that you could, that uh, might come up during the day you have to answer to, but yeah, because what you don't want to do, I think this is always the thing I always worry about when I set those big proclamations like that is that I'll set that proclamation and then I'm such like a, like a, not a perfectionist, but I'm like so anal. I'll be like, yeah, I don't check emails until three o'clock. And I'm like, no, I need to write this email, but I told myself I don't oh. write emails at three o'clock. I'm like, no, just get in there, write that email. Yeah, I've, I mean, there's 100% like I have to email the suppliers and everything like that, but I think I've been trying to set it a little bit more. It was actually interesting. I'll have to look up what it is called exactly. So you and I chit-chatted about it a bit yesterday. Like yesterday, I finally got like the confirmation that I've always wanted, which, or not, I didn't want it. I didn't, I shouldn't say it like that. Um, yesterday I got confirmation of something that I was suspicious of for quite a long time, which is that I have ADHD. I've been like kind of always kind of new, but always kind of wanted that little bit of that confirmation for myself. But he talked about, because I'm very much like a skills person, like you and I have talked like personally about this, like skills before pills. And I just was mm-hmm. like, I kind of told him that and everything like that. And so he gave me this one strategy, which was do something for 25 minutes, mm-hmm. three minute break, do something for 25 minutes, three minute break do something for 25 minutes, three minute break. Then after that, do a giant 30 minute break Right. where you're like recentering yourself, going back out into nature. But he was like, because 25 minutes is like, it's just because it's just below 30 minutes. Like it just is like this less friction and everything like that. And it's just as like, you're not as making as much of a commitment, but he was like, the inertia is going to happen once you kind of get into that. I believe it's called the uh, Paloma effect or something like that. Oh, it's, yeah, there's a... Uh... So actually named to, after a timer, I think. Yeah, so I have to like look into it more. So I've been working on my days by doing big stuff in the morning and then going to smaller stuff. And I do believe in that, but I, it's like sometimes like it's like not the biggest thing. It's not going to take me like two or three hours in the morning. So I thought it was really interesting about like really kind of thinking about in these like 25 increment blocks. But what are you doing in that three minutes? Because I feel like if 30 seconds goes by. Apparently these stretches that I haven't been doing. So there you go. I mean, it's just as enough. Like his biggest thing was like in those three minutes, it's A, you've completed that task or whatever. So it's kind of to regroup, but it also could very much so be like to break yourself in that habit. Cause we've all been there before where you're just like, oh, I'm just going to grind it out. And I'm, it's like, and you get out of that thing and you just feel like crap. Right. Like you just feel terrible. Mm-hmm. But see, I'm curious to know for someone like you, what three minutes, like someone who has a hard time sitting still has a hard time, like yeah. just existing, like with him. 
you know, for like three minutes? Like, I don't know. What's I'm going to try it like? out. Is yeah, it going to be mean, like, a sl- do you like jump on Slack all of a sudden? You're like, I have three minutes. I'm going to jump on Slack. Or is it like three minutes? Do you stare at the ceiling and then you move on? Oh, I don't know if I would stare at the ceiling. And like Slack is a little bit like, I think it's like, this is always the thing too, is about the atomic habits. I think his big thing though was about like, and I could see this being true for myself is setting timers. Yeah. Timers are super important. And that's like, for me, it's like, I'd be curious. I've never tried this before, but I'd be curious if I sled, like I'm doing this giant focus for 25 minutes and then I am maybe checking Slack for three minutes. But if I set a timer yeah, and it has a like a very much like a very loud auditory, like beep, like you are done with this and now you move on to it. I'm very curious yeah. of that. But the, he talks about that too. Like James Cleary is like setting up your habits so that you can do them and like setting up the things correctly. Like one of his big things is like that he talked about was like, if you have an issue with boundaries with your phone, yeah, go put your phone in the other room. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Because then you've got to get up and go over there and stuff like you're just going to have a way easier time. Mm-hmm. with those boundaries then you know yeah. so like it's not like don't set yourself up for failure set yourself up for success right one thing i've done with my phone and i just did it like as you because it was reminding me of it is i've been getting the habit of when i put my phone on a table actually putting it face down yeah because what ends up happening for me is i see the phone light up and then i want to look at it and a lot of times it's an email but i'm always like what email is that and i look at it and it's a big distraction yeah instead of like so putting my phone face down if it's around me really helps me not to even see it or pay attention to it. It just becomes like a coaster. I know. It was funny. My trainer was like, she's like, well, don't you get the notifications? I was like, no, I turn off every notification on my phone. I mean, very much so. And somehow they always all sneak through and then I have to reset them and like turn it off. But because the default on every app is who want to get notifications. Totally. Larissa's default is no, I don't want to get notifications. I know. I was thinking, I was like, I want an Apple watch. And I was like, I don't want an Apple watch. So I don't <laughs> want it buzzing in my hand all the time. Tell me when someone's like, talk to me. As no. an, if I'm going to invest in anything, like what I would want an Apple watch for really is to like for biometrics. I was like, but there's better there's like if i'm gonna spend seven hundred dollars on an apple watch like just get a whoop strap and a subscription to whoop and then you'll have your biometrics it'll be much better yeah and then just get yourself a nice analog watch nice analog watch it just gives me the time or you know i guess that's the other thing too is like sometimes i look at my phone for just the time and i'm like why don't i do this the second you pick up that device it's a deep dark black hole i know time emptiness right so really it's biometrics that's all i want biometrics and then i should just get clocks I thought about this. I like looked up these all these beautiful, these beautiful like wall clocks on Amazon. There was a like, big digital like time clocks. So I was like, I want to hang this in every view of my shop, yeah, in every room, so that I can just see what time it is. Because sometimes I want to have time, but then I want to be able to have a remote that I can set a timer that it like it goes for me, so I can set these times because oh. I love setting timers and I use my phone for it. But sometimes I wish I literally just had like a a timer that I could set and like that comes with me. I carry under my arm. You mean like a kitchen timer? Kind of like a kitchen timer. <laughs> it's a little tiny kitchen timer. You mean like one of those things they used to have in all kitchens? One of those They things? need to make like an iPod mini that's just a kitchen timer. That's oh like goodness. sleek and small. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Or I should just get a Casio watch. That's like really what I should do. <laughs> I just get a little stopwatch that I wear on my neck. Well, those are our three books. Then. Yeah, look at us. <laughs> talking really, about oh, really timers. Um, I mean, there's so many more, but uh, we'll probably do this again where the beautiful thing about doing this podcast is that it actually helps us like kind of like really dive into books in a very much more different way. But those three for sure, if you have not, well, the the Dan Sullivan trilogy, 
think like a rocket scientist and atomic habits if you have never read them eight thousand percent you need to read these books they will change your life and if you found this uh beneficial we'll actually what we'll end up doing is we'll put the books we'll put links to the books in the bio yeah or in not in the bio we're not in it's this isn't a bio situation in the description for the podcast. Yeah, we'll put it in the description, but there's a link in the bio on social media. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, we'll just put them places and you can go check them out. Cool. So, yeah. But yeah, if you loved today's episode, please make sure you give us a like and a subscribe. But really, what I want you to do is share it with a friend. And then, what I would really like you to do is also email us like kind of what you're loving or hating or whatever or if you have suggestions for a future podcast episode or a book that you actually want us to read that would be super great yeah please send us book recommendations yeah Um, we will listen to them we will not read them but we will listen to them that's how andrew and i do our content or consumption and we will we will if you send us a book recommendation we will respond to you so either dm us or send us an email yeah just don't expect that reply to be like immediate because i'm doing some other stuff in the morning. I can respond to the email. Larissa doesn't like responding to the emails. <laughs> I'm working on it, world. Or I'm not working on it. I'm just trying to find out a different unlock for myself in this space. So, yeah. Totally fine. Yeah. All right. Have an okay week. Have an okay week. Bye. Bye. Bye.